Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. I'm joined by another cellist today. Sophie Kawa is a 21-year-old cellist who features in a new film called Tar. Directed by Todd Field and starring Kate Blanchett in the title role as a monumental figure in classical music, Sophie features as a new recruit in a German orchestra. It's not your typical gig coming out of music college. In fact, Sophie is still in the middle of her undergraduate studies. Sophie shared with me her experience of scoring a role in a full-length feature film, as well as the challenges that come with not only acting, but delivering the Elgar Cello Concerto in front of a cast and crew. Whew, better her than me. Here's Sophie. Well, this is so exciting. Um, I'll kick things off officially, but Sophie, welcome to the Strad Podcast. It's really wonderful to have you here. And as I mentioned before, we started recording a little bit surreal, me speaking to you, because I've just seen your face on the film which you feature in called Tar, starring Kate Blanchett in the title role about a fictional conductor, one of the greatest conductors and musicians of our time. And it's a really exciting film. I'm lucky enough to have seen it. But first of all, I wanted to ask you, Sophie, because you have a part in this film as a young cellist, Mm -hmm. a recent recruit in a German orchestra, a character named Olga. You know, it's not every day that you get a part in a feature-length film <laughs> starring one of the greatest actors of our time, you know, coming out of music college, having studied cello since the age of eight. Do you find yourself sometimes thinking, how did my life get me to this point? How did you get the part? Tell us all about that. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm not even half... Oh, no, I'm just halfway through my bachelor's, so I'm still kind of confused I guess as to how this happened but um, the director told me Todd Field that they were casting for several months and looking at both actresses and cellists and then kind of decided that they really wanted to pursue the the cellist option because Todd is an ex-musician and his attention to detail is exquisite and he wants everything to be as authentic and proper as humanly possible. He said that they were kind of in their last week of casting and the budget was slowly starting to run out and um, funnily enough, a friend of mine sent this casting call from our school Facebook group and... It was an extremely vague casting call. It was just asking for a female cellist between, I think, 18 and 25, a concert-level cellist who would feel comfortable in front of camera and could maybe think of doing a Russian accent. And um, I sent in some self-tapes with the help of my sister on the other end of FaceTime. (laughs) Um, My sister uh, studied drama at school so she kind of gave me some pointers which was really really kind of her then I sent in some small clips of playing I think it was just some repertoire I was playing at the time the week after I got a zoom call back with the director and several casting agents and I was like whoa this is so amazing I'm going to tell my grandchildren I did a a zoom audition with this amazing director and that will be that you know and I was kind of just had zero expectations and then I didn't hear anything for a a long time after that Zoom audition. Then I got a call out of the blue asking to send a recording of the Elgar Concerto. And I hadn't kind of understood the gravity or 
magnitude of the project, because the casting call had been so vague, I was just in the middle of end of first year exams, like music history, harmony, that kind of thing. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll send them to you when I'm when I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> when I finish this essay, I'll just exactly. rock out in Algar Concerto. Exactly, exactly. And then they were like, no, I'm really sorry, but we need them as soon as possible. And I was like, oh, goodness me. So... I remember I just dished it out as quickly as humanly possible and practiced it for like a day and then just sent it. And I was just like, oh, goodness me, that was awful. Anyway, they took their time and then they came back and they were very vague again, like you're at the top of a very short list or you've been approved by the studio. And I had no idea what any of this meant, not kind of being familiar with the acting world or that kind of, not language, but you know, slang, I guess, maybe. The casting agent and Todd, the director, set up a Zoom and we started to kind of talk about the project. And I remember I had to stop and say, I'm sorry, have I actually, <laughs> have I got the part? And they were like, yes, yes, yeah, we, we would uh, really love you to play the role of Olga. <laughs> and I remember just laughing because I was just so confused as to how it had happened, you know. When you decide to become a musician, you don't exactly, like you say, expect that you're going to wind up in a really hefty feature film I guess yeah completely <laughs> different path and it sort of sounds like you were the last person to find out that you got the part mm, but yeah. in, in a way it's kind of nice to not have that expectation right because you know often musicians have that sort of carrot dangled in front of them and they're always striving towards that next thing and you know your focus is is so honed towards that but I also wanted to say how nice it is that the director is an ex-musician it's kind of nice that they pursued a cellist who can act rather than an actor trying to be a cellist because quite often it doesn't always work the other way around does it exactly because there's so much playing in the film and we work with the Dresden Philharmonic an actor who plays Knut and Gosha they're all members of the orchestra who were auditioned as well so you know he really wanted to have this kind of naturalistic aspect because this obviously will rub off on Kate Blanchett and Nina Hoss as well you know because these members of the orchestra have sat through hundreds of hours of rehearsals they've opened a violin case several times you know they have this history and these kind of connections and this politics and they know each other and their instruments so well but I mean Yeah, another thing was that all the recordings in the film are done live. So there's no post-production apart from, I guess, you know, reverberation and that, as in actually editing the sound, but there's no kind of post-production work on the, the recordings that we did. So... That was mildly terrifying, <laughs> to say the least, just because, you know, if you're doing a recording your as in just like a studio recording for example the recording we did for the concept album that's coming out then that kind of situation is geared to help you you have warm-up time and it's not at 6am in the morning and you will have had or actually not always the case but you will have had rehearsals but the scariest thing for me was that given the lack of rehearsal time And since Todd is an ex-musician, he had very specific ideas about how he actually wanted Olga to play. So, you know, like phrasing and timing. And so this new interpretation would be presented to me, often right before we were about to film. And you just think, oh my goodness, 
I know there's going to be no post-production work on this. It's completely new version. I have not practiced it like this. And now it's in front of all these cameras and it's going to be yeah. out there in the world. And you've got to do it in one go, right? Like you're not going to have several takes exactly. doing it. I mean, because I do remember there is there are quite a few extended scenes that are done just one shot panning through for an extended amount of time. And you just have to be able to deliver it and think so far ahead in the future, exactly. right? Exactly, and then go on to act the scene afterwards. I mean, yeah, it was very challenging, but in a way it was a, how does the expression go, an amazing baptism of fire, I guess, in that I had to learn to be very professional in a very difficult situation very quickly and kind of very early on in my career. Although it was really challenging, I do think it was a gift, and I think I've grown a lot as a result of it. But... Yes, it was not the most comfortable environment, but I mean, I guess that's when you're just outside of your comfort zone. That's when the growing happens, I guess. Exactly. That's when the most exciting things happen. That's when the most development can happen, when you're just slightly uncomfortable and you kind of get into that zone to really do something that you wouldn't expect of yourself. This sort of goes into what I wanted to talk about next, how you feel about different forms of performing arts, because obviously when you're acting and you're playing the cello as well, you know, you're not just focusing on making sure that your articulation is perfect in the Algar Concerto, but you've also got to be this character as well and deliver lines and, and work with the rest of the company. It reminds me of a scene very early on, no spoilers obviously, but when Lydia's having an interview with someone and she mentions that often classical musicians are typecast, you know, because often we're focusing so much on just improvement on this one craft and that it's really important to do different things. And she says this as an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony winner, an EGOT winner. So, you know, tell me about what you think about this kind of combination of acting and performing how do you think it's going to inform your career going what was ahead? really interesting is that the two are not as similar as one would think I mean of course there are kind of transferable skills from being a musician that help with the acting but I would say that they feel quite different it was very interesting and a lot of fun to play a character who is very different from me in real life and you know she just doesn't worry about consequences she's often quite rude you know she just has this I wouldn't say that she's not always aware of how she acts in social situations but then again I would you know uh, or maybe she just doesn't care she's very self-assured yeah, it seems it's, just exactly. knows what she and wants and I think yeah. I learned a lot from her actually um <laughs> I, I miss her sometimes it was very surreal to kind of suddenly be someone entirely different for three or four months I mean I wouldn't say that I would even know where to begin with something like method acting because that's not exactly what musicians do you know we're always playing several concerts per month with completely different repertoire lists and then you just need to be able to have access to those different characters and moods very quickly and easily and I think that maybe helped a lot I think the thing about this project is that it's an extremely intelligent and thoughtful and interesting project and I don't really think anything like this has been made before <laughs> Partly because it raises so many sensitive topics that no one has dared to ask so publicly before. And also because it depicts 
the classical music world which I'm so fond of in such a kind of glorious and beautiful and powerful way but something that's still so relevant in today's society and as a real thing that real people dedicate their lives to every single day so the actual project plus working with all the amazing people the cast Kate, Nina, Noemi and Todd and then the musicians the Dresden Philharmonic, Hilda the composer that was just an amazing experience to work with her and meet her and then later working with Natalie Murray Beale and the LSO, I mean, it's so surreal. So it's really hard to imagine that I will come across a project that kind of tops it. I did have a huge amount of fun and I do think that it's important, especially post-COVID, that we kind of start to build on the foundations that we already have and start to include other art forms and other voices and genders and cultures, you know, I think there's this tendency to think that I guess one can do one or the other, either stay very traditionalist or kind of throw out old culture in order to bring in new audience. And I, I don't think it's like that at all. I actually think, you know, the scene, um, the Juilliard scene, she's discussing whether music written by white male composers hundreds of years ago still has relevance today and if so why I think those kinds of questions are really important and I think we need to kind of combine all of this with what has gone before and move forward in an inclusive and thoughtful way you know yeah rather than shoebox everything into little compartments it's just making sure that it's all one whole Sophie, thank you again so much for being on the Strad Podcast. And I really hope that listeners will have the chance to see you in your debut acting performance <laughs> in Tar. So thanks thank so much. Thank you so much for having me. A uh, dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> that was Sophie Kaur. Keep an eye out for her in the film. Tar premiered at the Venice International Film Festival in September and has had a limited US release since the 7th of October. The concept album mentioned in the chat is out now on Deutsche Grammophon and you're listening to an excerpt of the Algar Concerto played by Sophie herself. The film is out tomorrow, 28th of October, for wide release in the US with a UK release set for January 2023. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students, and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or a rating. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.